there. I'm Sue Alvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 172. And today, I've got a little bit of catching up to do. As you probably know, I haven't made a podcast for quite some time. Yes, it has been a few weeks since episode 171. I have a few things that I want to share with you, things that I've been doing. I've got a couple of stories as well to share with you, including one from my book, Radical Unschool Love. Last time that I made a podcast, I was talking about being too nice. Yes, I had a bit of a wobbly moment. I think that the coronavirus pandemic was getting on top of me. Also, I hadn't had a lot of feedback about various things that I was doing. And so I wrote a blog post. I think it was called The Problem With Being Too Nice. It's been so long. I can't quite remember. But anyway, I do remember how I was feeling. And since then, I've only written one blog post. I think I wrote that on Easter Sunday. I got up early while my family was sleeping and I got a blanket because it is autumn here now in Australia. And the early mornings are quite cool. So I sat on the sofa under my snuggly blanket and I wrote a blog post. Yeah, suddenly I felt like writing something, touching base with people. But on the whole, I've neglected my blog for quite a while. I've been thinking, do I really want to continue writing on my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family? Do I want to make any more podcasts? Well, if you are a long-time listener to this podcast, you will know that I have got to this point many, many times. But yes, I think I am moving on slowly, but I don't want to cut ties just right at the moment. I've actually been doing a lot of unschooling things, but maybe you don't know about those if you are not part of my community. I think that's probably what I've been doing, moving my action into the community. There's plenty of unschooling discussions going on in the stories of an unschooling family community. So I was talking about that, well I've been talking about that community I think for a couple of podcasts. The community is another one of my big ideas and I was talking about whether this idea would come to anything or would it be just like some of my other ideas that I would get all excited about it but then nobody was interested and perhaps the idea would just fizzle out. Well, I was hoping that wouldn't be the case with this idea, and it hasn't. I think this idea is going to be very successful. We have quite a few members in our community, but not only that, people are contributing, having conversations, sharing ideas, and offering friendship. Yes, we have some members who haven't said anything yet, but maybe they're listening quietly. I've only had one member who has disappeared completely. Maybe she joined up, didn't like the look of what we were doing, and then decided that she didn't want to be part of the community after all. 
but only one person has done that, so I'm not too bothered. Actually, I'm not bothered at all. Maybe a few years ago, oh, I would have um, felt really bad about that for a long time. I might have said, why doesn't that person want to be part of my community? What have I done wrong? What have I said? But I'm a lot more laid back these days. That sort of thing doesn't bother me. I know that different things appeal to different people. I can't fulfill the needs of everybody. Not everybody is going to connect with my way of sharing unschooling. Yes, my approach might not be the right one for many people. But, so saying that, we have got quite a few people in the community who seem to be getting on really well, who, yeah, are just being friends, just sharing, and it's wonderful. So I've been sharing in the community two or three times a day, and other people have been posting as well, and people come along and answer questions or add comments, make a suggestion. Yeah, I think I'm going to say that this big idea is a big success. Hopefully it will continue growing and I hope that it does fulfill the needs of people who are either looking for unschooling information, support or encouragement or who are just looking for some like-minded friends. what do I want to talk about next? Well, last time in podcast episode 171, I was talking about the A to Z blogging challenge, a writing challenge. We were supposed to write 26 blog posts in 30 days. Yes, a blog post for each day of April, except for the Sundays. And each post had to start with a different letter of the alphabet. We started at the letter A and we worked our way to the letter Z or Z. So did I finish the A to Z blogging challenge? Yes, I did. I was four days behind by the time I finished. I did have a couple of wobbly moments, especially before my S story. Oh, I got up that day and I just couldn't write. I thought that my ability to write had abandoned me forever. It's funny how that happens, that we can be immersed in whatever we do, our talents, we can be enjoying ourselves, and then one day we feel our talent has just slipped away, and we can't ever imagine getting it back again. So when I was trying to write my S story and I couldn't, I just thought that I would never ever write a story again. I know that sounds pretty silly and I've had these periods before and I should learn from them. I should have said to myself, look, this happened a few months ago and things got back on track again. All I need is some quiet time. But yes, I wasn't really very happy about that. But I did go away and do some different things. And a couple of days later, I did feel inspired to keep on going. I wrote my S story and I continued writing and got to the letter Z yesterday. I finished the A to Z challenge with a story called Zero Birthday, which might give you a clue that I have just 
celebrated a birthday. My birthday was one year less than a significant birthday. One of those birthdays that ends in zero. Now, if you would like to read that story or any of my A to Z stories, you can find them in the community because I was posting them every day there. And it wasn't just me who was posting in the community. I had a few writing buddies and we all posted our stories for each other to read. Because as I said last time, in last time's episode, whenever that was, I said that the community is a bit like a blog, a communal blog, and social media all wrapped up in one. We can do all kinds of things in the community, including posting blog posts or articles as they are called. So I posted all my A to Z stories in the community. Each day that I wrote one, I went to the community and posted it there. But after a few days, when I'd accumulated a few uh, stories, I decided that I would also post them on a blog. Now I've had a blog oh, for a few years now and it has been empty. Well, I started writing on it a couple of times and I got to about post six each time and then changed my mind about what I wanted to write about. And so I put all those stories, all those posts back into draft form and the blog remained empty. And then several months ago, I bought a new theme for the blog, got it looking nice and thought once again about what I wanted to put on the blog because I had this yearning to do something with the blog, but what? And so I went through a number of ideas in my head. I thought that the blog had to be useful, helpful in some way. Otherwise, why would anybody come along and read what I had to say? And I guess that's what my unschooling blog is about. I mean, it's family stories and I love writing those stories. It's like a journal almost for me, for my family, but it's also useful for other people. I'm illustrating unschooling and hopefully I've got some ideas and thoughts and other things there that are helpful to anybody who comes to my blog. There are a lot of posts there. And yeah, people have said that they have enjoyed those stories because it has given them a picture of what unschooling could look like. Because of course, unschooling can look different in different families, but we are all united with the same principles of unschooling. Although, of course, some of us may be at different stages of unschooling, but that's quite all right. So back to the empty blog, I had this idea that I had to write something like my unschooling blog, something that people would say, hey, that's useful, something like a recipe blog or crafts with patterns or I don't know, something like that. And none of those ideas appealed to me. So yes, I, the blog continued being empty. And that was until mid-April. And then I thought, I'm going to put my A to Z stories on this blog. This blog is going to be a writing blog. And, well, that's what it is. Now, I've got a lot of stories, as I said, on my unschooling blog, but those stories sort of focus mainly on my children. I'm on the outer edge of those stories because 
I've written about unschooling from the perspective of my children. But on my new blog, the stories are mainly about my life, and my children are in some of them, but they're on the edges of the story. And at first I thought, is this all right to write about my life? And then I decided that it didn't really matter. I just want to write. But it's funny how we can all connect with each other's stories. They don't have to be particularly useful. They just have to be about the common experience. For example, I was going to write my A to Z stories on unschooling topics. I'd chosen 26 different random words and I was going to connect them to unschooling. A big challenge, I think, but I was looking forward to doing that. And then on the 1st of April, I sat down to write my first story, which should have been called Absorbed, and I was going to write about how kids get absorbed in their interests, and how we do as well. And I just couldn't write the story. I was having one of those overwhelming days. I'd come back from the shopping centre and I'd had to deal with a lot of new social distancing restrictions and I wasn't happy about it at all. Yes, it's not an easy time at the moment. A lot of our freedoms have been taken away. I think this is especially hard for unschoolers to deal with. Feeling helpless, not in control of our lives, it is very, very difficult. But it did give me an insight into how some children must feel if we take control away from them. What if we don't let them make decisions? What if they have to do what we tell them? We can say, it's good for you. We know better than you. Uh, I'm only trying to do things that will benefit you. I've got more experience than you. And even though we think that we have good reasons, for controlling our kids, just like the government thinks they have good reasons for restricting our activities at the moment, it still doesn't take away that helpless feeling. Now as adults we might resign ourselves to the restrictions, we might be able to reason that it will be worth it, but what about kids? Are we always right? Are parents always right? When kids say why, and we say because I'm the mother, or because I have more experience than you, or I know better than you, is that always true? Or do we just say these things because we're too afraid to let go? So yes, the coronavirus restrictions have made us feel helpless. Well, they have made me feel that way even though there's nothing I can do about it and I've got to accept it and I can see there are reasons for the restrictions, though not all of them. Some of them don't seem to make much sense at all. But yes, I'm an adult and I have accepted that this is the way life is at the moment. But it hasn't changed the way I sometimes feel. I just sort of yearn for normal life to come back. And then I feel bad because I think, well, look, Sue, you are healthy. Your family is healthy. Some of your family still has jobs. There are people in lots worse situations than you. 
I think I might have talked about that in my last podcast, how we can feel bad about feeling bad, but it doesn't take away our feelings. And sometimes it helps to be honest and to express those feelings. So I did express my feelings in quite a few of my A to Z blog posts. So on the very first day of April, when I was feeling overwhelmed, I wrote a blog post called Alone. How I was feeling alone in a world where we can't have contact with other people anymore, unless of course they belong to our household. Yes, it's very lonely going out and having to stand back from other people. And I think people are a little bit wary. Are we obeying the rules properly? We all seem to have lost our sense of friendliness and compassion and interest in one another to a certain degree. And I'm hoping that when all this is over, that we can regain it, that we're not frightened of each other, that we don't keep stepping back every time somebody comes near us. Because I'm afraid that we're getting too used to this. At the beginning, I couldn't get used to it and I didn't want to go out because I didn't want to put myself into a situation where someone would shout at me and say, hey, get back, stand back, don't touch. And now I've got so used to just stepping back, it's becoming second nature. And I don't like that side of me. I'm thinking, how am I going to become a friendly person again who will put her hand on somebody who needs help, who will help carry bags, who will stand close and listen? Yes, I hope that this time won't affect our communities, our society too much. I hope we don't have deep problems because we've got used to socially distancing ourselves from everybody else. But anyway, back to my A to Z stories. My first one was called Alone. And then I just sort of ran with it. I just kept on going, writing about my life. And now I have a new blog. I put all those stories on it as I have already told you. And I thought, what am I going to call my blog? I gave it the title, Where the Carol Birds Sing, because we had these birds that arrive every spring, and I do know what they're called because a friend of mine and I, we did some investigation. We heard these birds singing in our trees, but we never saw them. All we ever did was hear their calls. And one day my friend, she actually saw one of these birds and she did some googling and she put a name to the bird and then she told me, but I have forgotten what that name is. We called the bird the carol bird before we ever knew its proper name. And so that stuck. I think of these birds as the carol birds and they arrive every spring. So I thought, yes, I'm going to call my blog Where the Carol Birds Sing, because that describes where I live. So I wrote a very short story as an introduction to my blog, and it's called Where the Carol Birds Sing. The carol birds slip in unannounced. Nobody sees them arrive. They hide behind the leaves at the top of the trees in the bush. I've never seen a carol bird. Maybe few people have. They're elusive, shunning attention until they begin to sing. Then they lift their heads high and the notes spell out, rising higher and higher. And I stop and I listen. 
I grin in delight. The carol bird's song is the sound of our spring. The carol birds are part of my life. They're close to my heart, just like the stories I write. So that's the introduction to my new blog, Where the Carol Birds Sing. And I'd just like to share a story or two before I move on to something else. Give you a taste of my blog. If you are part of my community, you have probably already read these stories, but maybe hearing them will be different. The second A to Z story is called Battle. On the top shelf of the fridge in the supermarket sits a small stubby caramel pot, cacao and dates lactose free. When I stumble through the front door with fat shopping bags dangling from my arms, I say, I bought some yogurts. I found a special lactose free one for Sophie. Will someone put the yogurts in the fridge? And then I add, I can't go shopping anymore. It's too difficult. I'm staying at home until the world is back to normal. I collapse on the sofa. A daughter places a mug of coffee in my hand. I sigh. I cry. It's so good to be home. Did something happen at the shops, Mum? Something is always happening. The world changes every day. Today's alteration. When I tried to walk into the supermarket, a man stopped me. He said I had to join the queue. I described the long overstretched line of shoppers that wound its way back through the shopping centre. We all moved forward, one step at a time. Soldiers marching single file under a watchful eye. Shopping is not what it used to be. I fight my way up and down the aisles, trying to remember the rules. A new etiquette of good manners has evolved. Don't stand close together. Don't cough, even if your throat feels very tickly. No small talk. No gathering. No eye contact. Don't offer to help anyone. Just keep moving. Get the job done in the shortest possible time. And then go home. It's hard, too hard. I refuse to go shopping again. Lunchtime arrives and someone says, what shall we eat? And I reply, I bought some fresh bras and don't forget the yogurts. A minute later, the fridge door opens. I hear a splat and I call out, what was that? What fell out of the fridge? It was the round stubby caramel pot, cacao and eat, lactose free. Coming into the kitchen, I see the yogurt spread across the floor, spilling out of the pot. And I say something that I haven't uttered for years. Old words fall from my mouth. What a waste! And then some accusatory words from the past. Who put the yogurts in the fridge? Who stacked them so carelessly? Who is to blame? Anger rises to my lips. Now Sophie doesn't have a yogurt for lunch. My heart pounds, tears spill over, I fling myself onto the sofa. And I think about my reaction, my overreaction, because it's only a pot of yogurt, isn't it? It's no big deal, not worth getting upset about. I can always buy another one. Except I can't, unless I'm willing to face another battle. Am I brave enough to go out to the shops again? 
It's strange how a single served tub of yogurt can grow into something huge. Or perhaps it's surprising how an enormous range of emotions can be packed into something so small. When life is difficult, it's the little things that are important. The everyday things, the ones we take for granted. A hug, a kiss, a message from a friend. Yogurt. My love was all wrapped up in that round stubby caramel pot, that lactose-free yogurt that I battled to buy. Yes, that yogurt. I went through a lot to buy that, and it was heartbreaking when it fell on the floor. And normally, it wouldn't really matter. It was just yogurt. Just shows how much tension we can be under at the moment. So some of my stories are about family with me in the center. Some of them are about my love and I, Andy and I. Stories about us as a couple. Some of my stories about faith. I've written several ones that touch on humor. And some of the stories are a combination of all those things. So this next story is a family story. It's called Daylight Saving. During the early hours of this morning, while we were fast asleep, time shifted. Unaware, secure in our beds, we were thrust back an hour. Daylight saving ended. Nora will not be pleased. With the disappearance of the long days, our dog's favourite after-dinner activity will come to an end. Every evening, Nora moves into position. She sits up tall in front of our almost-to-the-floor living room window. As still as a statue, she watches and she waits. She's willing to wait a long time, do whatever it takes. Nora sits at the window. We sit in front of the TV watching MasterChef. When our episode comes to an end, someone disappears into the kitchen to make some tea. Then someone else asks, Shall we watch another episode? A few flicks of the remote control and a second instalment appears. We settle back in our seats, mugs in our hands, eyes on the screen. Nora's eyes stare out the window. They scan our front garden. They flick from side to side, searching. Then all of a sudden, Nora moves. She springs into action. She leaps forward. There is a huge crash, and we yell, Nora, you'll break the window. Our heavy dog rebounds off the vibrating glass. She hits the carpet. And then she turns her head and looks at us sheepishly with her enormous brown eyes. I couldn't help myself. I saw a cat. Night after night, we watch MasterChef while Nora watches out for cats. It's our confined-to-the-house, daylight-saving routine. But daylight-saving has ended. Nora's evenings are about to change. What will she do next? Will she spend the winter months snoozing on the sofa now that cat-watching season is over? And what about us? Will our routine continue the same week after week Month after month, never ending? Or will our old life return? 
Surely the world will be back to normal by the time daylight saving next lights up our evenings. Like Nora, we're looking beyond the glass. We live in hope. Yes, night after night we sit and watch MasterChef. It's just a good job that we discovered MasterChef late. I think we have another 10 seasons left of MasterChef to watch. I really hope we won't need that many episodes to get us through the rest of the pandemic. But at the moment, yes, that's what we're doing every evening. We settle down after dinner and we watch an episode. I think in the future, when we look back, we're going to associate MasterChef with the coronavirus. They're going to be linked in our minds forever. I've just got one more A to Z story to share with you and that's called Look. Andy grabs the car keys off the hook in the kitchen and says, I'm taking Gemma Rose to work. Can I come with you, I ask. I need to get out of the house. Is that a good enough reason for taking a trip into town? My husband teases. I've got some essential shopping to do. You have? Oh, yes. I need to buy coffee. We can get it at Gemma Rose's cafe. Then we can stop on the way home, perhaps at the lake, to drink it. An hour later, we're sitting side by side on a bench in the park. I'm holding one of the coffee cups. The other one is on the ground. Andy is bent over his phone. His thumbs bounce up and down. Then they come to a halt and Andy says, Listen to this. MasterChef contestant Chris copped the wrath of guest judge Gordon Ramsay on Tuesday night's episode of the Channel 10 cooking show in a grisly exchange over pork belly. A grisly exchange? Andy reads the article to the end before reaching for his coffee. He takes a sip. We sit in silence for a moment. Then I say, what are you doing? Why are you looking at your phone? I'm searching for another story that will amuse you. I don't need anything to amuse me, I say. Let's just look. The warm sunshine descends upon us from a cloudless sky as we look around. The lush green grass rolls down the hill before us. What a gorgeous day, I say. Do you remember how this park used to be a lawn bowling club? Do you remember how some people wanted to build a McDonald's here? Look at the mountains, I say. Look at all the trees. You wouldn't think we're in the middle of a town. Don't we live in a beautiful place? Look at us. My love and I have escaped. We've fled the world. We're alone but together in the park. Look at the church, I say, as we drain the last drops of coffee from our cups. Can we visit it before we go home? We leave the park and cross the road. As we walk up to the church door, we see a sign. Masses are available on our parish's YouTube channel. Subscribe. We make our way alongside the church to the tabernacle end. In my imagination, I look. I see a gold door above the altar. Upon the wall, a red candle is flickering in its holder. I take out my phone. What are you doing, asks Andy. I'm looking for a special prayer. Do you want to pray with me? Then we turn and face the church. Our prayers flow towards the tabernacle. 
the words rise and fall. And Jesus looks straight through the wall. He looks at me. So that was another story. That one was a family faith story. Not all my stories about faith. But yes, it's nice to explore whatever's going on in our lives. So on to the last thing that I would like to share with you. And it is something to do with my big idea. It's a book club. Now inside my community, we can have a number of groups. And I have formed a book club so that we can discuss any books that people would like to discuss. So the other day I created a post and said, shall we open up the book club? Shall we start our first discussion? And then I asked for some book suggestions. And a few people stopped by and told me about books that they would like to read and then talk about. And then a couple of days ago, I put all those books into a poll And we voted. Everybody got a chance to say which of the books that they would like to discuss first. And to my surprise, the book that got the most votes is my book, Radical Unschool Love. So we're going to be discussing Radical Unschool Love very soon. I'm just going to make sure that everybody has a copy of the book and then we're going to dive into the book. Yeah, talk about unconditional love and all sorts of other things. I guess this is the radical side of unschooling, but please don't let that put you off. I think that unschooling can suffer from a negative image and radical unschooling. Well, that's even worse, according to some people, but I want to show that it isn't that it's something that everybody should be doing. It's just about love. So if you are interested in discussing my book, Radical Unschool Love, and you are already part of my community, please go over to the book club and join. Yes, join the book club within the community. And if you are not a member of my community, but would like to join, I'll put a link in the show notes. Hop over to the community you will come to a page that tells you all about the stories of an unschooling family community. And I think there is a button there that invites you to join. And then there will be a question that you need to answer. How did you find out about the community? And all you have to do is say, I heard about it through the podcast. And when I see your request to join, I will approve it. So we've got lots going on within the community. One of the other things that we're doing is having a weekly challenge. So our first challenge was about unschool maths. I challenged everybody to keep their eyes open, to be a maths detective, to look for examples of real life maths in our everyday lives. And then we had a learning from life challenge where we looked for examples of learning that just came naturally from living our lives. And after that, we had an adult unschooling challenge where we shared all the things that we as parents are learning. And today I put up a new challenge. It's called a Happy List Challenge. And as I said, this week's challenge is to write a happy list. 
And I got this idea from one of our members who told us she made a list of things that she likes to do every day. They are things that make her happy. She wrote, And when I am focusing on doing these things, I know doing them makes me happy in a way that scrolling down Facebook doesn't. Trying to get my list done doesn't feel like a burden, and it has given my days a rhythm, and being happy gives me extra energy to help my children find things that make them happy too. So, do you need a happy list? Are there things you'd like to do each day, but somehow never get around to doing them? Why not write a happy list and share it with us? And this morning, when I was in the car with my daughters Imogen and Gemma Rose, we were going to town because Gemma Rose was working, I talked about the happy list and we discussed what we would put on our happy lists. And it was a wonderful conversation. So maybe you would like to have a happy list conversation with your family too. We came up with all kinds of things that make us happy. Very simple things like wearing lipstick or having our toenails painted or using a special mug when we're having coffee or making proper coffee, you know, brewed coffee instead of instant coffee or having a special tea. Just taking the time to do some little things for ourselves. Some bigger things like making time to read our novels or going for a run, or that one doesn't always make me happy as I'm going out the door, like this morning it was cold, and I didn't really want to go, especially as I had to go by myself, because Gemma Rose didn't have time to run, she was too busy getting ready for work, and I didn't want to go, but it made me very happy when I came home, knowing that I'd done some exercise. Yes, I did enjoy myself once I'd got started. So maybe you would like to write a happy list. Maybe you would like to join my community. Maybe you would like to join in with our discussion of my book, Radical Unschool Love. Now to finish this podcast, I'm going to share a story from my book. It's called Perfectly Them. It comes from the section called Love. That's my favorite section. Perfectly Them. Do you remember the first time you saw your child? That was a magic moment, wasn't it? I bet we all thought our newborn babies were absolutely perfect. It's very sad that initial impressions wear off. We begin to see faults in our children. As they grow, we criticise and complain. Perhaps that's because we wonder how they're going to get on in life and fit into the world. If only they were different. Maybe we justify our negative words. Surely it's our duty to point out our children's faults. They need to know what they have to work on, don't they? Or maybe they don't. I had an interesting discussion with my daughter Sophie after we'd been to a homeschool gathering. Sophie listened as a mother told everyone in earshot how lazy her daughter was. Her daughter was in earshot too. Sophie was horrified that parents not only criticise their kids, but that they do it in public. How would adults feel if we overheard someone finding fault with us? What if they criticised us to our face? Sophie observed two friends enjoying lunch together in a cafe where she worked. 
The women were halfway through eating their egg and bacon rolls when another woman approached their table and said, You shouldn't eat that food. You're fat. She then pointed out that she had no problems with her weight. She was slim because she was careful about what she ate. She thought that the two women should follow her example. Everyone in the cafe could hear the unkind words directed at the friends. How must the women have felt? Sophie could see that their lunch together was spoilt. She cleared away their unfinished meals. This incident makes me feel very sad. It's just not acceptable for an adult to criticise another adult, especially in such a direct and unkind and public way, is it? But what about our children? We often hear parents pointing out their faults. You're too shy, lazy, clumsy, thoughtless, noisy, stubborn, unkind, selfish. You should watch what you eat and exercise more. When will you ever learn to do? They talk about their kids to other people, their kids here. How do criticised children feel? Do they feel hurt? They know that they aren't loved and accepted just as they are. Could they be ashamed of who they are? Perhaps they feel like they are no good. Maybe that's the whole point of criticism. If we make others feel bad, perhaps they'll do something about their faults. But will they? Putting kids down makes them feel terrible, said Sophie. It doesn't spur them on to do better. They just give up trying. So what do kids need? They need to be accepted just as they are. But what if they really do have faults? Surely we can't accept our children's flaws. We can if we love. All the things we worry about might melt away under the influence of unconditional love. Sometimes parents complain about things that aren't faults at all, said Sophie. These could be the things that make their children unique and special. It's a pity that we don't see that. Years ago, I knew someone whose daughter was awkward and ungainly and not on first impressions, as attractive and gifted as other children. Maybe many of us might have been embarrassed if she were our daughter. Perhaps we'd wonder what other people were thinking about our child. Would we want to change her? One day, the girl walked by with a crowd of other kids. Seeing me watching her, a friend whispered in my ear, Her mother treats her like a princess. She feels as beautiful as the other girls. And she was beautiful. We just weren't looking with the right eyes. Maybe that's our problem. Our vision has become blurred. We've let other things get in the way of seeing our children clearly. Our children don't have to fulfill other people's expectations. They don't have to be the people others think they should be. There is no reason why they should change to match our own ideas. Our children are perfectly them, just the way they are, just like they were the day they were born. And so, as I said, that story comes from Radical Unschool Love. And I guess we'll be discussing that story and others in the book club very soon. 
Yes, in my book, I talk about unburying our love for our kids so that we can get back to that state of loving them as we did when they were first born. So I hope you will consider joining me in my community. And that's all I've got for you today. I hope that you will hop over to my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. Yes, I haven't written a post for a while, but there are lots of posts in my archives. And I do hope to get back there and post something new very soon. I will be posting this podcast there. So if you'd like to stop by and comment on anything that I've said today, please do. If you would like to read my new blog stories, you will find them on my second blog, Where the Carol Birds Sing. That's got a very easy URL to remember. It is just sueelvis.com, but I'll put a link in the show notes. And then there's my community and also my books on Amazon. Curious Unschoolers and Radical Unschool Love are both available on Amazon as print and Kindle ebooks. So I hope that you will check them out if you haven't already done that. I hope everybody is keeping safe during these difficult times. Yes, it has been difficult, all these restrictions. Life is not normal. But I guess as long as we are all healthy and stay safe, we'll be okay. So thank you for listening to this episode, episode 172. And I hope to be back very soon. I hope not to leave it so long before I make the next episode. But until then, don't forget to live a radical life of unconditional love.